Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And a very good morning to you as we welcome you along to Thursday's edition of the programme. And I want to start the programme today to say how saddened I was to wake this morning to hear the news that the wonderful Father Tony Coote had passed away. Uh, Father Tony was had been diagnosed with motor neuron disease and uh, he passed away last night at the age of 55. He came into our world. He was a Dublin-based priest, but he came into our world in uh, Cork when he raised an incredible six €600,000 by walking the length of the country and he did it to raise money for research to fight the disease. He set out from Letterkenny in County Donegal on the 10th of July last year and he completed a 550 kilometre journey bringing him all the way to us here in Ballydehab here. And he was just an incredible man. And uh, what was lovely was the whole country got to see that incredible pilgrimage that he undertook because it became the subject of an RTE documentary uh, called Walking the Walk. And at the same time, he was also writing a book called Live While You Can, which was uh, the story about his battle with the the incurable disease that motor neuron disease sadly is at the moment. That book was launched in May of this year. And I know I saw a clip on the TV where he got a standing ovation from a thousand people who packed into the church for his book launch. And at the time, the uh, Dr. Dermot Martin, the Catholic Archbishop of uh, Dublin, uh, said that Tony showed uh, all how strength can be witnessed even in the face of human weakness. His courage and determination touched the hearts and the people of all backgrounds. And the Chief Executive of the Irish Motor Neuron Disease Association, Roisin Duffy, uh, today is saying what a real difference Father Coote had made in the battle against motor neuron diseases. She said from the moment he was diagnosed, Father Tony not only bore his illness with tremendous dignity, 
but he was also a tireless advocate for everybody living with uh, MND. His decision to travel 550 kilometres from Donegal to Cork last year was testament to his resilience and to his determination. The €600,000 he raised is already making a real impact on Ireland's MND uh, community. And how we got to find out about him was when he was doing the walk, he, we contacted him to see would he like to talk to us as he was coming into Cork so that we could give you know the little the heads up to people that this incredible priest who was on this amazing pilgrimage was coming into our area and it was such a good ca- campaign and I suppose it came a couple of years off the back of the Ice Bucket Challenge where everybody got involved to raise money for motor neuron uh, disease so it was a chance again to raise money for the Motor Neuron uh, Association and also to talk about and highlight motor neuron disease and of course he said he'd be delighted he'd be thrilled and what we didn't know was there was cameras following him at the time and when the documentary then went out live on on TV we got to see Father Tony as he was speaking to me and to John Paul so we have that little clip this was the clip from the documentary Walking the Walk with Father Tony and this is Father Tony explaining that he's about to go on with Cork Radio So in a few minutes we're on one of the local Cork Radio stations 103 FM These are great opportunities as we come into Cork to let Cork people know we're on our way even if the McCarthy Cup is not coming this year, we are, right? Hello? It is, yes. And the whole idea, as you probably know, is to raise awareness of the fact that there's only three nurses in the whole of Ireland looking after people with motor neurons, and they're paid by church gate collection. Sorry, Savvy, I think he understands the power of the media, so he's well able to use it. Right, but listen, is there music on this show? Well, listen, could you ask us to do us one thing, dedicate a song? You know the Marvin Gaye song, No Mountain High Enough.
And that is Diana Ross, uh, the Marvin Gaye song Ain't No Mountain High Enough and we play that in memory of the late great uh, Father Tony Coote who asked us on that day to play it for him and the others who were walking with him on his pilgrimage from Letterkenny to uh, Bally de Hob. May he rest in peace. And uh, there'll be a lot of people uh, in the Cork area, in the, uh, particularly the ones that met him on that journey through Cork. And, I mean, anyone that ever met him was just blown away by him. He was just such a lovely, uh, lovely man. And he, he fought that his illness. With, he was such a brave, brave uh, man. Uh, 1850-333-103. Now coming up on the programme uh, today with a High Court action in place. We're discussing why farmers are still continuing to protest outside some of the meat plants. I'd be interested in your thoughts and comments. We'll be hearing a piece from the Minister for Agriculture, Michael Creed, who was speaking yesterday. He's described the latest protests as counterproductive. So particularly at the time we're at, he said it's a crucial time for the Irish beef uh, sector. Now, he, he in particular, and obviously is very worried because the Chinese officials are in town and they're here to audit some of the meat plants where there are pickets outside and this is in hope of opening up the vast Chinese market uh, to Irish beef. And Michael Creed yesterday said that they've worked very hard and been working for a number of years to try to get the Chinese to open up their market to us. It's happened recently. A number of the plants have been approved but the bulk of the plants are hoping to be approved and that's what this delegation of Chinese that are over this week. That's what that's all about. Michael Creed said he's hoping that those who are picketing will realise that at a time when our biggest market, the UK, is in some jeopardy, particularly in the context of Brexit, that we need new market opportunities and we need plans to be approved for that process. He said if we proceed in a way that jeopardises that, he said, we'll be several years waiting to get this opportunity again. He said not one single farm or farming organisation supports or endorses the latest uh, protest. And while he says his door is open for talks with all the stakeholders, he is adamant that price cannot form part of any future talks. He cited the Consumer Competition Authority. They made it abundantly clear they can't be seen to fix prices. He said it's difficult to see how 
we can get around all these stakeholders, how we can get them all back around uh, the table, particularly while there's protests going on. And then obviously he's urging the protesting farmers to consider the fact that there is high court injunctions in, in place. He's also appealing to politicians who are supporting the farmers on the picket line to reflect on the implications that flows from the ruling on an individual who doesn't abide by a high court injunction. He is insisting the progress was made dur- during the recent talks arising out of the beef plan movement um, protests with progress made on 10 items of the 13 that were on the agenda. But of course, the beef plan movement and the farmers will say that the elephant in the room wasn't addressed and that, of course, that that issue was price. But it seems everybody else went into those negotiations knowing that they weren't going to deal with price, but it was the hope of the farmers. So we welcome uh, your thoughts and uh, comments. We, John Paul, went and spent time on the picket line yesterday with some of the farmers uh, and obviously he's got some clips from some of the farmers who were talking we're not naming anybody because obviously with this uh, court injunction there was others uh, also who would like to have spoken but were afraid of uh, speaking so we'll have John Paul in the studio and he'll just outline what it was like in Bandon yesterday I know at one stage the Gardaí had to be called because they were blocking some trucks going in but I'd be interested to hear from people as to what side of the fence people are on I mean particularly Barry in mind that the Chinese are in town. This is important that this delegation, that everything that the Chinese want, all the boxes are, are, are ticked and that they're happy with the way we process beef, particularly if we want to further open up what is a huge market. The Chinese market is to Irish beef. So I suppose if we want to consolidate the future of Irish beef, this Chinese market is going to be very uh, important. So would you be with Michael Creed on this, that these protests are actually counterproductive as they could jeopardise the opening up of the Chinese market? Or do you see it from the side of the farmers that they really, they feel that they've nothing to lose at this stage? They are getting so little for their meat, you know, for their animals that they feel that there's nothing else left for them to do. Your thoughts welcomed on that, uh, please. We're also going to discuss the price of Buses, getting a public bus, getting a bus from A to B. If you are a regular bus user, how do you feel about the ticket prices? Are they, do you find them very expensive? I would be particularly interested to hear from anyone who sees the price of bus fares as a deterrent. You've actually looked into taking the bus, looked at the price and felt, no, that's not value for money. I'll use different mode of transport. Maybe you'll bring the car instead. Because we're at a time where the government are telling us that we must reduce our carbon footprint and we know cars we need to get cars there's too many cars on the road so if we can do something to get cars off the road one way to do that is to put people on buses and get people to take public transport where public transport is available I hasten to add but if it is available but then we hear from one listener who feels that the cost it's just too expensive to take the bus so if you are a regular bus user I'd love to hear from you 1850 Moya Murdoch is going to join us from the Road Safety Authority and this is to try to encourage learner drivers to give up their L plates, take their test, replace it with an N plate for two years and then sail off into the sunset and forevermore have a full driver's licence. We have a problem in this country with people who just keep renewing their learner permit and when you look at the figures it does look like there are a cohort of people who just don't want to do their driving test. Now I'm, I'm 
assuming it's nerves, is it? Because it's costing them so much money by staying on a learner permit. Some, would you believe, on a 10th and subsequent learner permit. These would be obviously people into their 40s and 50s who have always driven around with L plates up on their car. And of course, a big clampdown now on learner drivers. By and guard the Shia Corner, there's a big campaign to try to get particularly those learner drivers who have never taken a test. So we'll speak with the Road Safety Authority about that. And just actually on the Road Safety Authority and roads, I, I take it all of the schools now are back as and from today. I know a, a big cohort of schools are reopening today. Many have been opened for various days throughout the weekend. And indeed, even some even opened as early as Thursday of last week. But all of the schools are, I think, officially back uh, today. That means that there is a huge amount of congestion outside school gates. And actually, it's the RSA are themselves saying that it's proving to be incredibly dangerous for small children. So there's a word of warning for everyone to please be extremely vigilant when you're are driving anywhere near uh, schools. Now, how we get around congestion at the school gate, I don't know, because this seems to be a big issue everywhere. You've got, I don't know why mammies and daddies need to make sure that their darling is as close to the school gate as possible and you end up with people parked on double yellow lines. You've got people double parking just to drop their kids off to school and it makes it very dangerous particularly for little ones who are you know waving and they're trying to you know catch a look at mum and dad and make sure that they can keep mum and dad in their in their eye for as long as they can and little ones don't have a tendency not to look look where where they're going a total of 35 children aged 15 and under have been killed on Irish roads in the five years from 2014 to 2018 and that's that's shocking 35 children that really is uh, shocking so just be careful please when you're driving by the school gate and maybe see could you park a little bit down the road and maybe walk to the school gate we don't all have to be dropped all the children don't have to be dropped off right outside the gate you know you can park somewhere else and then walk along and actually there's some pictures in the paper of children back to school obviously their first day back at school yesterday it's great photograph of the Hennessy twins Kevin Cahill and uh, Robert and oh my God they're identical they are from Timaleague and they started secondary school at Clonakilty Community College uh, yesterday obviously they are triplets and then the photograph there's also a photograph of them in 2011 when they started school uh, their first day in national school in 2011 and here they are in 2019 their first day in secondary which would be lovely for the boys when they're older to to say they made the papers on both their first day in primary school and their first day in national uh, school and it's lovely 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 photograph they really do look uh, identical that's the Hennessy uh, triplets and there's a fab story making the papers today of a little boy by the name of Sam Kinahan. He's a five-year-old and he's photographed on his first day at school yesterday. And there's a gorgeous photograph of him giving his dad, uh, having sort of a, the dad is kneeling down and they're having a little bit of a laugh, you know, and just, I don't know whether it was the beginning of the school day or the end of the school day. But this family have so much to be thankful for because just 11 weeks ago, little Sam 
received a kidney transplant and it was thanks to his dad. His, his dad gave him one of his kidneys and the difference in this little boy. He had been on dialysis from four months of age when he was diagnosed with something wrong with the valves in his kidneys. And it's a condition found only in uh, boys. So he ended up in dialysis from a very, very young age, which meant he'd, he'd only been able to go to play school for only a few hours at a time because he had to attend Temple Street Children's Hospital so often for a dialysis but now thanks to his dad Ivan who went under the knife four weeks ago Sam now not only has a new kidney uh, but he's got a new shot at life oh sorry I thought it was 11 weeks ago so only four weeks ago goodness me there's a great photograph of him running into school it's incredible and he can just go on and live out hopefully the rest of his life as a healthy and a happy little boy so lovely pictures uh, of little Sam uh, Kinahan as he started school yesterday we wish him all the best uh, also on the programme today, a uh, member of Gathashi Corner will join us for Crime File. And then Jane Pickett joins us after half past 12 today. She answers all of your pet questions from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. But we need to take a break and then I'm going to come back and we'll have John Paul in studio with us and uh, we'll talk about what is happening outside some of the meat plants. C103 and Cork Volunteer Centre presents the very first Cork Volunteer Awards, taking place from Friday, October 11th. These awards aim to celebrate and recognise remarkable people throughout Cork who selflessly give their time and talent to benefit local communities. Visit volunteercork.ie now and shine a light on your volunteers by nominating them for an award. The Cork Volunteer Awards 2019 at the Kingsley Hotel with Cork Volunteer Centre, Cork Independent and Cork's Greatest Hits, C103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, as we reported yesterday, the owners of up to a dozen meat plants were granted temporary high court injunctions, restraining group of protesters from blockading their factories after allegedly intimidating staff and supplies. In spite of that high court injunction, though some farmers have continued to protest at a number of locations, including the APB plant in Bandham. Our own John Paul McNamara went along to chat with some of the protesters last night and uh, before we get to hear some of the pieces that he recorded uh, he joins me in studio uh, Good morning to you John Paul Good morning um, Okay what time did you go, were you at the plant yesterday? Roughly around quarter to eight yesterday evening okay. uh, farmers were gathering there most of the day but a lot of the majority of farmers came out late last evening mainly because uh, they had work to do and they said to get everything done they couldn't physically be all outside the plant at one time How so, many turned up? Uh, when I arrived there was roughly around uh, ten to 15 then maybe around 10 to 20 uh, from around 8.30 onwards uh, I left shortly after 9 o'clock uh, to go into the studio on Bannon to, to edit the, the, the pieces and uh, at that stage I was getting tweets from people saying the numbers had increased to 30 to 40 no, I, I, I wasn't there at that stage uh, was, but the that's pla- what was the plant open? The plant was open Okay. when I arrived first uh, I literally pulled up the jeep and a truck has come behind me to get into the actual plant and the farmers there were refusing to let that truck pass and there was no uh, trouble or anything like that um, but they were just standing in front of the truck did not letting the truck pass did they speak with the truck driver? they did uh, and they tried to engage with him obviously the truck driver wanted to enter the plant the farmers didn't want him to enter the plant the security were there uh, just basically asking the farmers 
I presume to, to stand away or, or, or whatever they wanted to do uh, but farmers just stood in front of the truck uh, then um, Would you more, describe it as a peaceful protest? Yeah, yeah there, yeah, there was no trouble there. was no, no there. intimidation no, there no was shouting no, okay. no, nothing like that right. and then tractors uh, came along obviously with animals and trailers to come into the plant as well and uh, they were parked on the McCroom Road and abandoned as they couldn't enter the factory because the truck was parked outside the gate uh, they then turned around you know, there was another trailer just just parked above the actual entrance to uh, the factory. I'm not too sure uh, what, what that trailer was about, but th- th- that was just outside uh, the factory gate. So the tractors are parked a bit away from the factory and basically queued up to, to enter. Um, at that stage, the Gardaí arrived on the scene and the Gardaí spoke with the security staff, with the farmers protesting and with the drivers of those trucks. And in the end, the truck did enter the actual so site. how long did it go on? Did the standoff go on for about an hour? About thirty minutes, forty oh, minutes, that, that okay. type of way. And yeah, there was yeah. animals, obviously. There was the, animals in, in the trucks in, in, or in, in the trailers. In the trailers. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now you spoke with uh, one farmer. We're not we're not naming any of the farmers. Yeah, the farmers. I mean, obviously, they're they're very passionate about why they are outside the factory gates. They don't want to be there, uh, but they have to be there. They say for, to make a living and to secure the future of farming in this country and in this county. But the farmers because of the injunctions that are now in place last night at 7.30 or 7.45, 8 o'clock, all that across the evening, the injunctions were not in place for that particular plant in in Bandon. Now uh, we're hearing this morning that the orders have been granted. Even at that, farmers are refusing to leave. So at that stage even though the injunction wasn't in place, farmers were still, uh, didn't want to go public. One farmer, this this man I spoke to did, but obviously because um, Okay. Of the injunctions and, we're not and, giving out names. And we'll, we'll hear what he has to say. And you also did ask the truck drivers and the people who are trying to get into the factory to speak. But yeah, they, they we, I went over to them just uh, out of balance to say we are covering this this evening uh, for C103. Do you want to offer your side of the story why you are coming in here? Do you want to give any type of comment to us? And they simply just said no comment. No comment. OK. All right. Uh, thank you for that. OK, so this is one of the farmers who were protesting last night outside the meat plant in Bandon. These talks were um, a waste of time. Uh, I'm very disappointed with uh, especially the IFA and the Minister for Agriculture. I feel that he is uh, a minister for, for, for factories since uh, these last meetings. Um, he's, he said that his doors always opened. Well, I tell you, I say every farmer, his doors opened here at the moment. Even the gates of the factories are opened. There's plenty of people here for him to come to talk to. Uh, elections might be up in a few months' time. I don't know how long. But uh, he'll be, uh, it'll be very easy for him to go around to doors looking for votes. So I can see why he can hop into his uh, luxury car and come down here and talk to the farmers. The minister was asked that today at a press conference in Mahan. And he said the reason he can't come here is because there's an injunction. Injunction? Well, there's no injunction against these farmers so far, no, as I can see. Um, there is injunction against some of the beef plan, but these farmers here are not in the beef plan. And uh, they are only looking for a fair price. That's all they're looking for. You cannot produce animals under the, the cost of keeping these animals. Um, they'll just only go broke. And they're, this is going on for the last 40 years. Some farmers have said, you're wasting your time. What do you say to those farmers? Well, if farmers think that we're wasting our time, and I know there's a lot of farmers bringing cattle in here, do you know, the last time I heard 
I saw a program on television saying there's one fella going to Galway looking at fillies. There's another fella, he was happy with the price of it. And back in the 80s, when we were getting more for our cattle, and the price of, of the cost has gone through the roof, I do mean to tell me that farmer doesn't really sit down and think, what's his costing? He must be in Cuckooland. Because, like I said, I don't know, do he's do his books or what he's doing, or he, must, he don't talk to his accountant. That how can he make money if, if the cost is over what he's getting for it in the factory? And here this evening, as I speak to you, there is a number of farmers who are blocking a truck from going in. I presume one of their fellow farmers who wishes to enter the actual factory. The injunction that is out there at the moment, that basically does not want this to happen. It's against this. Are you afraid of that? Are, you, are those farmers worried that something may happen this evening here? Look, if there's a junction, we'll stand by the law, look. Um, but according to the law, you could be breaking it now by not allowing this particular truck in. There is no junction against these farmers yet. It moment. hasn't rolled, ruled through yet. It hasn't yeah. rolled through yet. So, like, so if there is, look, we, we are allowed to protest. They can go through, in and out. But when the court injunction comes against these farmers... I think that's what these farmers will do. That's what I'll do. Uh, I only can speak for myself. Every farmer now is speaking for themselves here. There's no control. I, 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 every farmer is, is on their own here. And uh, fair play to them to stand up. Uh, that's all I can say. Uh, but like Seth, if there's a court injunction, well, like Seth, we'll obey it. And, and uh, that's the law of the land. The law of the land says that too we're entitled to protest. And the law of the land says that we're entitled to 980 euro an hour, which we're not getting. So like Seth, Leave the trucks in, leave the trucks out, but we're entitled to still the protest. And you mentioned the minister there and the fact that he's not coming to the particular factories because of the injunctions we mentioned. Would you ever consider taking your protest to the minister's office? I mean, he's based in McCroom. Would that be something the farmers might do if they don't get satisfaction outside the factory gates? They'll take it to the minister's office door. Well, if he won't come to us, suppose. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to go to him, and and uh, he might see a big surprise outside his front door someday, and he mightn't like it. But uh, I'll tell you this much: only for these local farmers, uh, he's a cork man, and uh, he he he'll be uh, he's he got our votes. He he's uh, where he's today. He won't be there only for these people. So he's not actually supporting these people. He's only all talk and blow, and uh, he'd want to go off and come out and speak to his people that put him where he is today. He has said that his door is open and he's willing to talk to all stakeholders. What's your response to the minister saying that? Well, like I said before, look, our door is open as well. He's getting paid to come here. We're not. We're getting not one penny to stay here all day. If the minister come down, he's going to pay when he leaves his own door. He'll, he'll, have, he'll have a car under him that's paid for by the Irish people and surely they don't break his heart to come down and talk to these people and sort it out for once and of all all they're looking for is a fair, a fair price for their animals that's all they're looking for and I'm saying to the minister if you're a man come down and talk to these people and if you're not I, you won't be getting my vote next time and where does this all end? It's gone on now for a number of weeks. You mentioned the minister. It doesn't look like he's going to come to the factory gates unless you go to him. What is going to happen here? How long can farmers keep doing this? Because young farmers are looking at this. They don't see a future in the industry currently. Where, where do we go from here? Well, I'd say, do you know where we go from here? We'll, we'll have to keep trying at number one. But I feel that, that um, the government and the factories, 
they want this. They want to get rid of the, get rid of the small farmers, get rid of the the the, the, um, the dry stock farmer, the sucking herd, because they want these feedlots. They're making more money out of the feedlots because they can get the cattle cheaper, and the big dairy herds are after destroying the market of the beef because, like stuff, so the factories are buying these cattle that they're going from from the dairy farm into feedlots and they're not going out in the land so like so that's what they want they want food cheap and not these uh, grass-fed animals that are good quality animals and uh, i'm afraid that's the way it's, that's the way it looks regarding the staff in the factory some staff are saying that you know their jobs are being cut hours are being cut because of these type of protests and what do you say to those staff and the families who are saying they're worried over these protests yeah, I'm not against the staff. I, I'm delighted to have a job inside there, but they'll have to realise that if these farmers won't be there in, in down the road, there won't be no job for them. And that's what, that's what it is, is that we'll all have to work together. You know, if we're getting a proper price for our meat, them staff inside there might be getting 15 euros an hour or 20 euros an hour. I don't know how much they're getting. It's none of my business what they're getting. But like stuff, if we get a better price, they'll get a better price. That's the way it goes. Okay, that was one of the farmers who was protesting last night outside APB in uh, Bandon. I can see a number of comments uh, coming in. Texter says, Patricia, this government is anti-farm families and farmers have nothing to lose as they're working for nothing. Fine Gael have done more harm to farm families than were being, that have been built up over the last uh, 50 years. Patricia, the last time people were afraid to speak out was in 1921 when the Black and Tans were in town. Are we back at that again or did we uh, ever leave? And Pat says, Patricia, the minister is not standing up for for farmers. Then I hear this morning he's on about the McCroom bypass. Well, talking about Minister uh, Michael Creed, he gave his reaction to the protests yesterday and the unrest in the beef industry when he was speaking with our own Fiona Corcoran and also in attendance was Paul Byrne from uh, Virgin Media News. I acknowledge and have for some time that it's a very difficult uh, time for the beef industry and for beef farmers in particular and that's why I've invested a lot of my own time in terms of engagement and roundtable discussions with all of the stakeholders. Um, There are over 100,000 farmers who get some level of their income from the beef industry Um, and you know, this is a critical time in terms of people who want to sell cattle for slaughter. We will have, you know, weanlings coming out for sale from the suckler herd in the coming weeks. People who need to sell now need to be back in the marketplace for that. So it's a really important point. I think the other thing that's important to say is that of those 100,000 people who get some of their living uh, from the, the beef sector, there is no farm organisation, none. Uh, who is uh, supporting the pickets uh, at the moment. Even the beef plan themselves have have spoken strongly about not picketing presently. And of course, you know, I'd ask people now to reflect, uh, particularly, you know, politicians who have given support and encouragement at the the picket lines to reflect on the fact that we have a High Court ruling now um, and the implications of not abiding by the, 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 the law of the land and the court's rulings for individuals um, at the picket line. And I think I would like, you know, those people to, to give leadership on this issue now, which is a very difficult matter. In relation, in relation to the Chinese delegation, what kind of message will that protest send out? Well, look, I mean... Um, is it going to damage trade? We have, we have worked for a number of years to try and get 
you know, the Chinese to open up their market to us. That happened uh, recently. A number of plants have been approved. But the bulk of plants are hoping to be approved in the context of the current audit. And I would hope that, you know, those who are picketing will realise that if, you know, in, in, at a time when, for example, our biggest market, the United Kingdom, is in some jeopardy in the context of Brexit, that we need new market opportunities and we need plans to be approved for that process. And if, if we proceed in a way that jeopardises that, we will be several years waiting to get this opportunity again. Minister, if you went for a pay rise and your boss said you can't talk money at this meeting, that's what's happening to the farmers in the talks. Well, it's more complicated than that, and, and, and the Consumer uh, and, and Competition Authority has made it abundantly clear that we can't talk price, we can't price fix. Uh, we did make progress on a number of issues. I know that others, uh, farm organisations, are seeking clarity from the Competition Authority, and we await that. And I've said myself that I'm pr- quite prepared to engage with all stakeholders and have been in contact with them, and they're, you know, we await the, the outcome of their uh, response to the, that invitation to stakeholders at the moment. But it's very difficult to see how we can get all those stakeholders back around the table when there are protests ongoing. Farmers, farmers, Marianne, farmers in Bandon want Marianne, to meet you face to face. Would you be willing to meet with them? I have always said my door is open to meet with stakeholders. And when he was pushed on that and asked, um, would he go and meet with farmers, particularly those that are protesting at the factory gates? This is what he had to say. There's a High Court injunction. I'm not going to stand on a picket line. OK, because of the High Court injunction, my, the Minister of Agriculture, Michael Creek, said he's not going to chat with the protesters. Mary and Malice is grand for Michael Creek to talk, but the farmers work in all types of weather conditions and get nothing for it. So why should farmers be fined for going out on a picket? It doesn't happen to anyone else. It does, Mary, unfortunately, if there's a High Court injunction in place. Helen and Balanadee said the farmer knows at any one time what he's likely to get for his animal. The customer in the shop knows what he or she is likely to pay when they go in to buy uh, meat. But in between, it's where it all gets very hazy. It's all very fine to say that there's a Chinese delegation in town and to be talking about Brexit. But at the end of the day, prices will fluctuate and if beef is going to be brought in from other markets, it could be of a lower quality and that certainly is going to affect the price of beef in this country. And John O'Donovan was on to us in the city to say he knows from his days when he was out protesting over the water charges that when people get arrested it is a tendency to rile up others across the country so he thinks it wouldn't be a bad thing if a farmer ended up getting arrested it will force other farmers and people I imagine from a non-farming background as well to get out on the streets to support them Uh, John O'Donovan says the minister is a disgrace he needs to talk to the farmers as they are the ones he is meant to represent. I think it's a get-out-of-jail card using the injunction as an excuse. Um, and that's what that's what Michael Creed said. When asked, will you go and meet with the farmers and talk to them about what's going on? Go meet the farmers that are protesting, he said. There's a High Court injunction. I'm not going to stand on a picket line. Okay, John O'Donovan says he's using that as a get out of jail card. PJ in uh, Newmarket said if a bakery makes a loaf of bread and it costs them 50 cents and then they sell it for 150 in a shop and if you go to the baker and say to say I'm going to give you 20 or 30 cents 
I'm not going to give you the full 50 cent. This is the shopkeeper going to saying, I'm only going to give you 20 cent instead of the 50 cent that it costs you to make your bread. He said, that's exactly, it's as simple as that. That is what is happening with beef. Darren in Canturk. Farmers are fighting for survival. That is why they are protesting. John in Formoy, I'm a beef man myself and the judge that signed the injunction yesterday, the barrister that was there representing the beef plants who earned their fortune from farmers. The only reason that the farmers are protesting is they are on their knees and uh, they really have no other choice but to go out and uh, protest. And Stephen was on. Now, this is to do with the protest as well. And this is to do with how the farmers, how it's affecting other people. Stephen's on the bus, the 237 bus down in West Cork. He said, we can't go go via Cross Barry this morning on the bus Aaron bus. The bus had to turn around and go the Inner Shannon route as the road was completely blocked. Protesters are continuing this morning in Bandon and there are delays outside the plant as a result of the protest. So I suppose that's a kind of a traffic warning as well coming in from Stephen. Thank you for that Stephen. Just on traffic there's been an accident at uh, Grena Cross on the main Cork to Mallow Road. I got that in in the last half an hour I've no update on that but just to say there's an accident at the Grinna Cross on the main Cork to Mallow Road 1850 333 103 John Paul has taken your calls again phone lines have been very very busy today so please bear with us you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 you can also Facebook use us on Facebook Messenger and email Patricia at c103.ie This is the Cork Today replay on C103 I promise you I will return to the beef protest because I can see a lot of calls and a lot of commentary coming in but I want to move on to a different issue because we last spoke to my next guest Anya Baker when she was embarking on her walking pilgrimage to Rome while carrying her harp Sean playing tunes along the way Anya joins me today though to discuss the high cost of bus fares in this country Good morning to Anya yeah, good morning. And, good and you, you, you're welcome. Now, instead of walking, you've decided to take the bus instead for some of your journeys. Uh, what journeys are you finding most expensive? The, the, oh, the, from my home to Cork. It is, West Cork apparently is one of the most expensive parts in this country to take the bus. And that's where I live. Uh, so to get up and down to Cork... Uh, on a return is 24 something, it could be 20 or 80 uh, and I can go from Cork to London one way for 25 euros I mean so, you know, that includes a ferry Yeah, yeah. So, and, that, yeah. and that's on a bus going to London Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So and it's Clonakilt, Cl- it's Cork to Clon and, and, and back again or vice versa, yeah. Clon to Cork yeah. and back again and yeah. you're saying it's a little over 24 euro return Yeah yeah, that what, is. What, what, what can you say? Like, I, I mean, if, you know, you go talk to people who drive up and down and I know there's yearly costs in cars, but we're talking public transport. So I can get the local link bus from Clonakilty to Kinsale uh, up and down, I believe, for seven euros or nine euros. Yeah, that, that's reasonable. That's reasonable. That's that's OK, right? Yeah. I, I don't mind taking that bus in. It's a lovely little bus. But but Erin doesn't seem, and they seem to say that it has to do with 
the way the roads are and insurance and but really like it's a national bus service <laughs> it's a national bus service now in some of these new buses they have some new fleets and they're lovely and then unfortunately i came back from court the other day and i ended up in a bus which was filthy the the seats actually the poor woman behind me like you the seat was going up and down like none of the backs were actually stable Do you know, i wonder I wonder, that's just... So you're paying a high price for your ticket and you're not even getting a decent bus. Yeah, and then you get, and I put it on Twitter then, and then I get these lovely people from Bus Aaron saying to me that I can write them an email. But I've, ri- I've written a, a good few emails and then you get the polite reply that they will deal with it. And that's it then. Yeah, but your, your journey's over at that stage and you've had to sit exactly. on a, a rickety seat or a yeah. seat that was torn or a seat that was grubby and yeah. uh, dirty. And, and Anya, we have been encouraged to reduce our carbon footprint. But with prices like that, people there might, can, yeah, people might yeah, reconsider go. taking public transport. Well, this is it. Like, I, 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 you know, what do I do? Do I, do I actually make an effort, which I'm trying to make? And they're just making me so unhappy while I'm trying to do the right thing. And I understand that, you know, there is, we don't have as dense a population as Dublin or London or England or the Netherlands or whatever. But this is like, this is something we do need to deal with. And there's, maybe there's other other ways. I have no answers. That's the that's the sad thing. I know. Thing. I know. You're just you're raising it more than ever. And I wonder yeah. if they did reduce prices, would it encourage more people to go on the bus if they thought they were getting good value? Absolutely. Why not? If the bus service is good, I, I was in 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 the Netherlands. I spoke to a few truck drivers and UPS drivers, and um, and and they were all saying like they don't own cars. People in London don't own cars, you know, in big, and this is, that's very often is the case. If your public transport system is good, you will see a reduction in people owning cars because Mm. it's just, no, there's no point in having them. But there is absolutely no incentive whatsoever. So it's, it's one thing to say, okay, I want to do my part. However, we will make you suffer for it. Thank you very much. That's not very nice. No, and God help you if you buy the wrong ticket because a listener says, Hi Patricia, I went to Cork on Monday on the bus. On the way home, a young student had no student card, was fined 200 euro on the spot. Oh, that is awful. And they are quite pedantic about that. If you have a student ticket, you have to have your student card. And then we have the leap cards as well, yeah. which do apply to West Cork. However, we have no loading station and there are no plans anywhere in the future to actually put one down here. So you have to do that then in Cork or online. And of course, a lot now, like this this bus, especially in the morning and in the evenings, is used for people that go to the hospital. Yeah, okay. So you see, the, the, so there's a double bus at 9, 20 and 9.35. Because it stops express. outside Wilton, doesn't it? It stops outside CUH. Exactly, yeah. and there is, and, and there's one goes like the long route, and the other is goes over over the N seventy one, and they're really full with people, of course, who have free passes. So they also say like that 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 bit isn't used enough, but it is used. It is used by an awful lot of people who actually don't. 
the fairs. And remember, remember, because we looked into this before, when, you know, that's, it, 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 the person doesn't pay, but the Department of Social Protection pays bus Aaron. They get of reimbursed course. for all of those, so it isn't of that course. there's loads of people on the bus and they're not making money out of it. Anyway, yeah. listen, well highlighted, um, Anya. Thank you for that. Unfortunately, I'm out of time. I'd like to, yeah. we'll chat again. But listen, thanks for joining us. Um, good morning to you. you. That is uh, Anna Backer, who uh, joined us the last time along when she was uh, on her pilgrimage walking to Rome with her with her harp at Sean. Price of buses, you're finding them expensive. Get weekly news, event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie. From Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between, we've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click regional reports or download the C103 app and click podcasts. Regional reports only on C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Thank you to people who've taken time out to thank us for playing the song at the top of the programme. The Ain't No Mountain High Enough, the Marvin Gaye song that we played for Father Tony Cook, Cook, who sadly passed away yesterday because the song, it was the song he asked us to play for him when he and the others were on that pilgrimage, when they were walking the length of the country to raise funds and to raise awareness for motor neuron disease following his own diagnosis. And sadly, at 55 years of age, so young, he passed away yesterday. Pauline said he sent shivers this morning after hearing Ain't No Mountain High Enough and also to hear Father Coote speak on your programme today. Uh, bless him and uh, may he rest in peace. And there was some text in the same Trish, I read Father Tony's book. It is well worth reading. May he rest in peace. And that's from Eileen in Bandon. And Tim says, uh, Father Tony, RIP. What a marvellous, marvellous man. Uh, may he rest in peace okay and a lot of similar texts to that so thank you for people taking time uh, out I'm sure Father Tony's family would appreciate that we are remembering him and thinking of him today now I want to talk to Mary in Charleville who is on the line good morning to you Mary Hi, how are uh, you? Not too bad. Now, you contacted us about uh, an, an incident that happened that was really quite intimidating and, uh, and frightening as well. You were with your daughter and you were up in the city. You were at the Pinewood Place bus station waiting to get a bus back to Charleville, was it? Yeah, I had gone to visit my daughter in Cork. I got the bus from Charleville to Cork. Okay. And we spent a nice few hours around the city. And it happened to the bus was leaving Cork again at five to nine. And at half the stage, we walked as far as the bus station and we sat down outside chatting away. I was smoking a cigarette and it was on the 9th of August and this fella approached us and asked me for a euro to get the bus home, which I totally ignored. We carried on chatting away and a lady came after him and she started warning the two of us to move and get out of there. And she walked past us and she came back, pulled the cigarette out of my mouth and flung it between the two of us. And at that we were so shaken, so frightened that we just got up and started walking away from the bus station. Was there any bus errand staff around? Not that I could see and I could see no security fellas on at that stage. Do you believe the the guy who came looking for to, to tap the euro from you. Do you believe he was with that woman? Were they together? Yeah. 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 Honestly, I believe he was. 
so at that stage we got up then and we started to walk and, and she kept following the both of us and still roaring, roaring at us to move and get out of here. And did she look like she was the worst for wear? Yes. Of something? and yes. Some drink or some illegal substance? Yeah. So we kept walking. We had to walk right around the block and when we came back there was no sign of her so we saw a bus driver and we went up to him. We told him the story and he said that we should have just slapped her in the face. Where would that get us like? I wouldn't be encouraging you to do that, Mary. No. So we went to the office then and whoever was working there, I give him praise because he waited until I got on the bus to get back to Cork and my daughter, he arranged a taxi for my daughter to get back to the apartment right to the door, which was good of him. Mm. And the following day, my daughter rang me. I ended up taking her to Shannon Dock because she was up all night with panic attacks. I was shaking all the way home on the bus to Charleville. I asked my friend to pick me up there and then because I wouldn't even walk another bit that night. I was so frightened. And do you regularly go up to Cork to visit your daughter? I mean, would you be around the Parnell bus station a lot? No, that's my first time going to Cork. My first and last time, I can guarantee you. And on the way home, I sent an email. He gave me an address to send to us there in customer care. Mm -hmm. I sent him an email. My daughter done the same exactly, probably about the same time I sent it on the way home. And to this day, three weeks after, we have not got no email back from them. Not even acknowledging receipt of your email? No. Well... Okay, and I know we're going to get on to Bus Air and, and we have all of the details of and the time in which it happened. Because I'm wondering, I mean, there's got to be CCTV footage. And I mean, I, I know you weren't harmed in any way, but that's a frightening, intimidating experience. Well, they I, need to have more security on at the bus station. I spent 50 euro on Shannon Dock for my daughter, which she ended up in CUH the following morning from half nine to two o'clock with the panic attacks. I was put on Xanax myself to settle me down again and she's now going to therapy once a week which will cost her 60 euro a week to deal with the panic attacks of this frightening experience. And you think it all it all stems back to what happened at the bus station? It does because to this day I'm still shaken and frightened and afraid to go to that bus station again. Okay, and I don't know. I mean, I know I have heard before that it can be quite a scary place around the bus station and I know that there are uh, people who are taking drugs and they seem to hang out around that yes. area. Even though I I thought I thought that there was a, they put in security in there and I thought it had, they kind of cleaned up their act. But obviously if that happened to you and it was a bright summer's evening. I mean, other people, did, did others witness what happened to you? Yeah, this man was going around asking everyone for a euro for, to get the bus home. Yeah, that's just bombing money. He no more wants to get home. He just wants the money. Yeah, that's I all mean, because I saw but, one particular guy giving him the euro. But did anybody else see the see the woman grab the cigarette from you and throw the cigarette at you? Nobody saw that. They all saw it, but no one is going to do nothing because there was only... I was told there was a secu- one security fella on in that area. Where is the security like? And no guardie around? No. No. I could have called the guards if I wanted to. But they're not going to do anything. These people are only laughing at them. And you at that stage just wanted to get home and get, and get out of there safe. All right, we're on to Bus Air and, and uh, we'll see what they have to say uh, about it. But Mary, thank you for highlighting it and look, look after yourself and, and your daughter as well. And uh, thanks for joining us.
Okay, thank okay, you. Okay, bye bye, bye bye. I don't know if anybody else has had similar uh, incidents at Parnell Place at the bus station. Or I need to hear from people who use it regularly. Can it be quite intimidating at times? Was nine, you know, half eight, nine o'clock in the evening time. I take it during the day. There's probably more staff on, but do you do they need to put on more staff, more security staff on at kind of those hours, the evening time when it can be just as busy sometimes as it can be. I don't know how many buses pull out at that stage or arrive at that stage, but it can be maybe as busy as other parts and other times of the day. Has anybody else noticed that around the bus station in the city, can you find the people that are hanging out there can it make you feel quite intimidated and frightened. 1850 Huge amount of reaction to the our piece on the beef protests which are continuing uh, outside the APB plant in Bandon and of course they're continuing outside other meat plants around uh, the country. Uh, Dawn Meats, APB, Slaney Meats and uh, Keypack, they've all now been granted uh, orders to stop farmers from protesting outside but that doesn't seem to be deterring farmers. He's just give me, I'll give you just a sample of some of the co- texts and calls coming into the programme by text. Patricia please tell the farmers to stick to their guns and don't back down. Larry Goodman made 170 million euro profit last year and farmers on the breadline. The farmers should take no advice from any farming organisation because they haven't the farmers' best intentions in mind. The factories will have to be brought to a complete standstill before things will change. Irish farmers should take example from the French farmers when it comes to protesting. When the shop shelves are empty of beef, the penny then will drop. And actually just talking of Larry Goodman and profits, This is all over the papers today that just one of Larry Goodman's meat processing plants, it's one of the ones that's been picketed by farmers. It's the Slaney Foods plant in Bunclody in County Wexford. They made pre-tax profits last year of €312 million. 3.12. 3.12 million euro, sorry, 3.1, just over 3 million euro last year. That's just from one processing plant that was their pre-tax profits and I'm sure that's going to go down like a lead balloon to the farmers that are protesting outside that Slaney Meats in Bunclody this morning. Okay, also in by WhatsApp, high petition regards to beef protests, the true character of our meat processors is coming out now when they're willing to see their own suppliers and customers arrested on the picket line. Farmers have for had years of disastrous organisations supposed to be representing our farming sector but too many of these guys were playing a game of charades while drawing membership fees down from unassuming farmers. Farmers need to stand up now and relate to those who rely on our produce for their business. But we, the primary producer, can hold back our produce until a fair price is paid. Patricia, many sectors in in agriculture production in Ireland today at primary level can't cover the costs of production as costs increase outside and inside farm gates. Maybe it's time that farmers stand up, take on the processors and take back their family farms futures into their own hands and that's in from John in Mill Street quite a lengthy WhatsApp and a number of texts coming in to us again I'll just go through some of them for you Um, Patricia the trailer outside Bandham this is the one that John Paul spoke about last night now according to Anne has offal in it it was put there to stink the farmers out. Minister Creed may have a machine gun pointed at farmers because the beef plan was silenced. 
full stop silenced and they're now still doing it to the farmers. That interview was very threatening talk from the minister. As for the Chinese, a lot of what they buy, the farmers do not get paid for because we don't eat it here in Ireland, for example, tongue and other unusual parts. Is that what the Chinese are going after, according to Anne? It is. John says, so the minister is afraid not to stand up for the farmers' protest. He should be backing them as well as standing with them. The farmers must keep protesting, says another texter, because if they don't and can't, then the factory will not have to give any price increases because they know nothing can stop them. P.S. I think the TDs should be out supporting farmers and now our face not getting a vote next time round. John Imbandon suggests why don't the farmers in the IFA set up their own processing plants and run it like a co-op. Paul says the sooner we have new leadership in the IFA the better. I can't remember when the IFA had a livestock meeting in the Cork Central area. Much of the apathy in the IFA is towards the dry stock sector. If milk drops one cent a litre, all hell breaks out, says Paul. But they're not there for the beef farmer. Minister Creed said, we have a High Court injunction. If he was on the side of the farmers, he would have said, they have a High Court injunction. Not happy with the minister at the moment. He seems to be all for the factories. And Patricia says, Frank, the beef clan movement are a disgrace, according to Frank. They've walked away from farmers who are now protesting when they should be standing with the farmers at these protests outside the meat factories. The beef plan movement sat down at talks for 38 hours and achieved nothing on price um, waste of space, says Frank. And just give you one final one from John in McCroom. Hi, C103. I'm a small suckler farmer. In 2014, Simon Coveney, the then Minister for Agriculture, took 13.5% off our single farm payment and gave a €1,000 extra to farmers who were getting €66,000 plus. I at the time was getting €13,500 and €1,350 was taken from me in my single farm payment. Fine Gael are only for the rich. Of course they won't do anything about the real polluter which is the dairy uh, farmer. And that's from John in McCroom. Just a sample a sample of some of the calls and texts coming in. 1850 Lines open. Texting WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. An experienced chef is wanted. That's for the Parkway Hotel in Dunmanway. While caretaker roles are available for CE schemes in Grenna, Whitechurch and Inniscarra. A landscape operative is required. That's for a busy East Cork landscaping business and electricians are wanted for new contracts in Cork City and County. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. C103 presents the Sam Maguire Sevens family event on Saturday, September 7th. GAA greats and competitors from all over Ireland are heading to the Sam Maguire Sevens in Dunmanway, a town steeped in GAA history. Enjoy ladies and men's competitions, long puck, family entertainment for the whole family and hourly buses to Ballabracca to visit the home of Sam Maguire himself. Be at the Sam Maguire Sevens Saturday, September 7th for a truly memorable day for GAA fans with C103. Record today on C103. Call
Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. And just to warn people, we are hearing of delays, traffic delays uh, in and around Band and particularly around where the meat plant is because of that farmers' protest that is going on this morning. We are hearing that the Gardaí are in, a, in attendance, but just to let people know, if you have to go anywhere in or around Bandon, you can expect delays today. Now, the Road Safety Authority has launched a new campaign to encourage people to sit their driving tests and get their full licence. People will be surprised to hear that over 40,000 drivers are currently on the roads on their fourth or more learner permit. Joining me from the RSA, their chief executive, Moya Murdoch. Good morning to you, Moya. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, You are welcome to the programme. Now, to be on a fourth or subsequent learner permit, these are not young drivers. So we can dispel the myth, can't we, that all L-plates are young teenage drivers? You can indeed, Patricia. And you've hit the nail on the head. If someone's on their fifth or fourth learner permit, the first two were for two years and possibly they even had another one for two years. But on average, these people have been on learner permits for 10 years and more. So they're in their 30s, 40s, 50s. It's not the younger population that we're targeting here because they are very keen to get their driving test and reduce the cost of insurance and the cost of driving. These are legacy learner permits. They've been on them for years and they just apply for a test and then don't show up uh, quite a number of times and just renew the learner permit. So it isn't um, targeting young learner drivers who have just got their first permit or their second permit, really. Um, And it's costing people money because obviously their insurance is higher. Not just the cost of insurance, which we do know that is 30, 40, 50% more expensive uh, in a lot of cases, but they're paying for a learner permit every year on on some of these permits. That's €35 they're spending each year. They're actually booking and paying for a test, which is €85. So over an average, someone's on their fourth or fifth learner permit, they've spent over €1,000 unnecessarily, if uh, if we're to be honest, because they could have done the lessons, got the test and be on a 10-year full licence. And they are driving legally once they have that full licence. They don't need someone sitting beside them. Surely the simple solution is to make it mandatory to sit a driving test before renewal of a learner permit. We have a number of measures in now for consideration with the Department of Transport and that is one of them included. You you hit the nail on the head there because prior to this, you just had to demonstrate you've booked a test appointment and we take it at, at face value and good faith that you're going to try and do that test. We obviously have some people do have to cancel at short notice but most of these people actually um, that don't show up, they haven't showed up before. Some of them have never done a driving test. So we have to look at the, the measures to encourage these people to get the test and be legal and be safe. So one would include requiring someone to actually go through the test before the learner permit is reissued. The second that we are looking at is shortening the length of time. Currently, it lasts for 12 months if you haven't done a test uh, in the past 12 months, you can get uh, a permit for 12 months. We're looking at shorting in that, that to six months, maybe even three months. We're also looking at requiring you to sit a number of mandatory driving lessons to ensure that you're you're earnest about getting the test and that this isn't just a method that you're, you're using to circumvent the need to do the test to get a permit. And we're assuming, Moya, that the reason 
the, behind the no shows and, and people, you know, staying on a learning permit. Is it just that they're nervous about doing sitting the test? Um, I, there's a number of reasons. Um, some people would be nervous, but when people are nervous, they generally do contact the Road Safety Authority and we can make provisions there. We can get a supervisor to sit with the candidate when they're doing the test. We can also allow uh, an ADI sit in the back with the, the, the test um, okay. tester. Yeah. There's there's ways around the nervous driver. But, uh, you know, I think we have to be realistic here. Uh, most of these 41,000 people aren't that nervous. And reality is the profile of them uh, is over 30, 35. I would doubt that they have someone sitting beside them when they're driving. Um, the 35-year-old is not going to have their mother or father sitting alongside when they make that journey. So there's very little reason other than inconvenience to go and do the test and maybe do some lessons before they come forward for the test. Um, really, I, I think they may have missed the the sort of the real point too that it is about road safety, but also they're missing the, 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 the cost of driving around as a learner because most young people we hear every day complaining bitterly about the cost of insurance and they are really keen to get that test. We were doing some research on the, the subject there earlier in the year and we got comparative quotes from the AA for, say for instance, a 35-year-old female living in Dublin, a nurse driving a Ford Focus, um, an average car that's five or six years old, and the price differential was staggering, €1,600 mm. for someone who's still on a learner permit at that age and someone who has actually just passed the test, not even for a number of years, but just passed the test. It was over €600. Wow, cheap. wow. A yeah. lot of money to be saved, a lot of yeah. money. And, if, and, you spread and also, that over, if you spread that over 10 years, yeah. I think there's a lot of people, if they sit down and think about it, will be kicking themselves how much they have wasted. They'll have a brand new car nearly bought for for, for what they've spent. And the guy, the are warning that they're clamping down on uh, learner drivers. Yeah. I mean, there's 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 a possibility your car could be impounded. Yes, we have been working with Angarda Shikana on this um, issue and they have been out since the introduction of the new legislation in December around learner drivers and the owner of vehicles who uh, the owners of vehicles who knowingly lend their vehicle to someone who is a learner they have seized 1600 vehicles so far in the first 8 months of this year and that costs a lot of money someone they're do- they're without their vehicle maybe without their parents vehicle or their employer's vehicle and they have to retrieve it at a cost and they're discommoded for the days that it is impounded so there's also been a significant increase in the number of people who've been issued with fixed charge penalty notices for failure to display that L plate if they are learners. I think there was, we saw an increase in people trying to avoid detection because of the actual new law and they took their L plates down. But the guards now have very good um, information to hand and they will be able to tell whether you're a learner driver or not on the roadside. Okay, John, one of our listeners says uh, people got the test for free. This is the amnesty. This came up during the week again uh, back in 1979 and they are driving on the roads legally now. Where is the standard there, says John? Well, a lot of things have changed over the years and as John said, that was 1979. Like That, that goes way back. We still have to have some standards and uh, we don't drop to the lowest common denominator here. We're trying to raise the standard of driving in the country and we have been making 
progress in improving the outcomes on our roads and we shouldn't just throw that out because you know some people can't be bothered getting the test so really you know this is targeted a small number of non-compliant recidivist drivers and we are not going to penalise everybody because of that. Yeah and I mentioned this during the week when that came up again about that amnesty that will never ever happen again in case people are sitting around with learner permits second, third and fourth thinking oh there'll be an amnesty and I'll be able to swap it over that will never happen again because the legislation has been changed isn't it? Absolutely and we are down to the lowest times for waiting times on record probably five, six weeks I think in um, in Skibbereen, in uh, Cork, in Dungarvan. We're down at six weeks, so there's no excuse not yeah. to come forward for that test and there will not be a, an amnesty. We now adhere to the European Driving Licence Directive and the standards for being a qualified driver according to European standards. So th- th- we couldn't consider, we can't, can't contemplate any kind of amnesty here. We must meet European standards here and that includes passing the test and uh, everything that goes with it. Tim says, back in the days of the provisional licences, which were only valid for six months, you had to apply for your driving test on your after your second provisional licence, and they were valid for six months. Yes, um, and if you do sit the test, you will get and, and make every effort uh, to do that, and you go through the test, but unfortunately, if you haven't reached the standard and you fail, you will get a new learner permit for two years. It's where you don't bother coming forward for the test. And we saw oh, earlier this year okay. that there was there are some people, quite a number of people out there that have never tried to do the test. They've actually just applied for it and then brought it to the NDLS centre to renew their permit and off they go driving. So really, there shouldn't be too much sympathy for these people because... They could easily do the test. They could take some lessons and pass it. And, you know, and And up to 500 applicants fail to turn up for the driving test every week. Every week, yes. And we have written to everyone. We've actually gone and we we know the profile of these people because they're repeat or frequent flyers. And we, we we have written to them directly and they know we've asked them, are they coming forward for the test? If not, can they contact us and we'll reschedule it? so that they don't discommode the people that are waiting to get that appointment urgently because a lot of people do want a test as quickly as possible for work reasons. We can accommodate a significant number on short notice tests when people cancel, but these other individuals just don't show up and uh, that's a loss to the system. We've paid a driving tester to be there waiting for the candidate to show up. We can't do anything with that at that point in time. It's too late to get somebody to slot in behind the no-show and really it's very frustrating. Okay and Michael who's all for road safety wants to bring up the issue of the condition of our roads particularly in rural areas, briars, trees uh, overgrown hedgerows the damage being done to vehicles, the road surface is scandalous Um, why can we not have safe roads for driving on? Is that not adding to the problem? Well, we do obviously need safe roads and there has been a lot of progress in terms of improving the infrastructure in this country. It's one of the uh, road condition and vehicle condition are contributory factors, but really they're a smaller uh, contributor than the driver themselves and the driving behaviour. You must drive in a speed and in a fashion appropriate to the conditions. The local authorities are responsible for maintaining uh, local roads and we work with them and they're part of the actual 
commit uh, the, the group on road safety that are accountable to the ministerial uh, committee on road safety. So, yes, if you have issues, bring them up with your local authority and your local councillors. They need to be addressing those matters. But let's not um, conflate that with the reason we have learner permits out there mm. when they should be full licences. That's a different matter. And, um, and do does, many, are, many learner, are many learner drivers involved in, in serious accidents? Well, sadly, on average, we have seen that um, up to 12 learner drivers are involved in fatal crashes. And oh. that means that they may have been killed themselves or someone else was killed. And 80% of those are unaccompanied. And if you compare to other jurisdictions where unaccompanied learner driving is not is not prevalent, it's not a phenomenon, they don't have any learner drivers uh, are very, very small numbers involved in fatal crashes. Because when you have a sponsored qualified driver beside you, it is a second pair of eyes. They are looking out. You, you know yourself when you're sitting beside a learner, you are more nervous, you yeah. are watching out, you're holding on to that seat. A parent is very cautious when they're sitting beside their adult so, child. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. You can tell this is nervous driving whenever... So why you might think that the learner, once there's no one beside them, are any better, they're definitely putting themselves at risk. Okay. And that's why the second pair of eyes, when you are a learner, the experienced driver can um, perceive the hazards much quicker and they have that experience behind them. Okay. All right. Get your get your test, please, is our message to learner drivers. And just very finally, no time now. For, for yep. first day back at school uh, for the majority of, I think everyone is back as and from uh, today. Congestion at the school gates. People need to be so careful with the small ones. Absolutely. It is a phenomenon we have seen over the years, uh, almost tantamount to road rage around the school gates. Double parking just almost abandoning vehicles there and we have run campaigns there. Parents have to be responsible. Um, There's a lot of people walking and cycling to school and the school gate is a hazardous location if people behave in this manner. It should be clear and there should be every effort made not to illegally park and impede someone else's um, sight and their, their ability to get in through those gates. There's lots of parents, lots of kids Children don't perceive hazards the same way as adults and you must realise these are the most vulnerable road users out there and I would urge all parents when they are driving their children to school that they park appropriately Mm -hmm. and not outside the school gates, which is, they are clearly marked, they have the hazard lights, the the, the flashing lights, they have the, um, the hatched lines, they have the zebra crossings, everything is there outlining that this is a danger zone and yet we still see people double parking triple parking and just abandoning vehicles Yeah, well, I have a cycle yeah. lane near where I drive to work I have to pass uh, two schools and this morning already first day back and here's two parents parked in the, in the cycle lane it's so annoying it's very frustrating yes you know it's almost screaming out that their time is more important than other people's time their safety is uh, paramount and it is just such a selfish yeah thing to do yep. and they can easily park legally elsewhere or walk or cycle as you say 
this okay. is unnecessary and right. can be avoided. We leave it there, uh, Moira. Thank you for that. Pleasure to talk to you as always and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thanks, uh, good morning to you. That is the Road Safety Authority's Chief Executive, uh, Moya Murdoch. 1850-333-103. Lines open. The C103 Cork Diary is a free service to help non-profit organisations all over Cork. So, if you're a community group or a charity that's holding a fundraising event or meeting, send us the details at least one week in advance and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email info at c103.ie. The Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. C103. For the best weekend sports coverage in Cork, it's got to be C103. I'll bring you updates on cross-channel soccer, racing, anything else that happens in the world of sports. Rory Burke kicks off your weekend with a comprehensive Saturday sports preview from 11am. Mark Malone keeps the ball rolling with Cork Sports Saturday from 2. Then Cork Sports Sunday completes your weekend between 2 and 7pm. Callaghan racing through from the puckout, going for a goal opportunity. He's got it! Every puck, every kick, every score, every weekend. Let me tell you what's happening sporting-wise this weekend here on C103. For sport in Cork, it's got to be C103. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. And reports coming in from West Cork of a burst water main and it is affecting supply to Ard Groom, Iries, Castletown, Bearhaven and surrounding areas. Irish Water, Cork County Council working on it as we speak and they, affect, they expect to have supplies back uh, by the very latest three o'clock this afternoon. Okay, for just those areas without water this morning. Okay, time for this week's uh, Gartha File and we are going to Baltimore. Gartha Station where I'm joined by Gartha Bridget Hartnett. Good morning to you, Bridget. Good morning, Patricia. And you are welcome. We start with burglaries in the district. Yes, Patricia, um, and it's just a kindly reminder we're getting into the autumn season and we do uh, find this the burglary rates do increase slightly at this time of year. So this is not to frighten anyone, just maybe make everyone pay attention. In McCroom District there earlier in the week, we had an attempted break-in through the back window of a house, but which was great, the alarm was activated, so no entry was gained to the house. But remember, just everyone out there, anyone that has an alarm in your house, please make sure to use it. It makes a huge difference. Um, in Ballinhasic, then two days ago, a shed was broken into. Now, the shed was left unlocked. So, again, for all your gardening equipment and tools and everything, we have a huge amount of value in our sheds. So, make sure put a good lock on these doors. And it's everything to the, you know, to put off anyone thinking or even attempting to come in around your property. And then in Dumanway, um, earlier in the week, we, between 4.30 p.m. and about 7.30 p.m. in the evening, damage was caused to the front door of a property. Now, again, no entry was gained to this house. But just again, a reminder of having really good locks on your doors and windows and when you're going out from the property. OK, and with the children back to school, focus on your home security. Talking of the children going back to school, and I was just speaking with uh, Moya Doherty, our, our Moya Murdoch of the Road Safety Authority. Um, back to school, busy in the morning, there's congestion at a lot of the school gates. People need to be careful. Absolutely, and I'd say, hopefully I would say the very same message as Moya, that, yeah, there's a lot more traffic out there and school buses are picking up passengers, maybe some of them for the very first time. Kids are on bikes hurrying to school and the haggard parents are trying to drop off their kids before work, you know, running and racing, all of us are. So it's never more important for everyone just to slow down and pay that bit of attention when kids are present. 
especially before you know this before school times and after school times because it, it it's for some of the children going for the first time they have greater independence now but there's a bit more responsibility and as we know they're the least predictable pedestrians out there so and some are very difficult to see due to their size so we just have to pay attention and you know when it comes to that practice what we preach you know I show them all of us wearing our high busy vests taking our time crossing the road stop listen and look and that makes a big difference. They'll be getting a message in school and hopefully from all the guards calling to the schools as well throughout the year. And we need to con- be very consistent with it. So parents, schools and the guards giving the same message all the time because it's really important we get them to and from school very safely. OK, and finally, there is a tour with the National Learning Network. Yeah, I'm glad to be telling you about this and thanks for the opportunity, Patricia. Um, today I have the National Learning Network uh, students coming out from Bantry, coming over to Baltimore here and they're doing a tour of the Lifeboat Station. That's 100 years in existence here in Baltimore and um, the tour is being carried out by the members of the Lifeboat Station. They're being so kind, so thanks to every one of them turning up. And then afterwards, they're actually they're going for a tour of the castle and into bushes for some light refreshments and the new coffee shop as well as putting on some treats for them afterwards. So I have to say a big hello to them because That's they're coming fab. over in the bus. Great. Uh, hi, to, hi to everybody. And actually the, the lifeboat uh, station in, in Baltimore when we're coming, uh, we're we're bringing the programme out, we're doing an outside broadcast in fields right. and we'll actually be featuring because that's the weekend where the 100th anniversary That's right, that's coming the first, up uh, first exactly. life, You're it's, very it's, welcome, we'll make you very welcome. You're very, you're, you're very kind, you're very kind. And you also have a couple of community messages you want to you want to mention? Yes, the first one being in uh, Skibbereen, there's a new sergeant there, Sergeant Trina O'Manley and she's doing great work at the moment and she's actually trying to set up the community alert group Um, get it reorganised and revitalised it has been kind of let go for a few years so just anyone that's around and would like to get involved we all know how great community work groups are and the service they provide especially for the elderly in the area so just put your name and number into the station in Skibbereen or if you see Trina around she's often on the beach around the town there just stop her and tell her that you're interested there will be more messages going out over the next month with a time and date for a meeting so just want to get people thinking about it and okay. get on board with it. And is there a community alert in Shirkin? There is. Um, Garda Martin Ash is out there in Shirkin, um, and they have they have a very good island community. So they they you know they stick together. Yeah. Um, and they would do everything through their local guard there. Well done, well done. Okay, listen, thank you for that, and uh, we'll talk again soon. But thanks for joining us on the program this morning. No problem. Thank good you morning to you. Bye bye. That is uh, Garda Bridget Hartnett joining us from Baltimore. Guard the station. 1850 John Paul, uh, taking your calls. It's been very, very busy this morning. So uh, continue to call us. A text or WhatsApp 0862103103. You can email Patricia as well at c103.ie. Tim in Carrick Tool has contacted us. Can I just say, Tim, you're the only one, uh, certainly, that we've had uh, contact us today with this particular theory and, and I don't know and I'd be very interested to hear how, what farmers have to say about Tim's theory. Tim says that he knows a lot of farmers and that they're happy with the price 
of the cattle, the price that they're getting paid at the meat factory. So he reckons the only farmers that are out protesting outside the gate must be farmers who are not looking after their cattle properly because they must be bringing bad cattle in if they're not getting the correct price. But Tim reckons a lot of the farmers he knows are very happy with the meat producers and the factories and the money that they are getting. As I say, Tim, I'm not getting flooded with similar calls to that. I'm getting quite the opposite. But thank you for your call to 1850 If you have a pet question, get it in, please, uh, because Jane Pickett joins us after half past 12 today. Text or WhatsApp a question 0862 103 103. Every Friday, we're counting down to the weekend, the weekend. by turning up the feel good. C103's Feel Good Friday brings you six hours of feel good greatest hits. Join Nick Richards from One and Martina O'Donoghue from Four as we get you weekend ready. Weekend ready. Turning up the feel good for Cork. For Cork. Every Friday from One. Feel Good Friday, only on C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your texts and calls coming in. People picking up on my chat with Moya Murdoch, Chief Executive of the Road Safety Authority and the big push by the Road Safety Authority to clamp down on the tens of thousands of learner permits who appear to be just renewing their learner permits repeatedly rather than taking a driving test. They've, they've, this isn't something that's happened overnight. This has been going on for many, many years. Lots of people are on about that and just you know can't understand it. I mean, as Tim said back in the days of the old provisional licence, you had to apply for your test before you could get your next provisional licence. And that's still the same with the learner permit. The people still have to apply for their test, but the problem is they're not showing up for the test. They have no intention of doing the driving test, but they apply for the driving test and then they'll get a letter stating your driving test date is on such and such a date. Then they go to the NDLS you know, the centre where you go for your driving licence, they bring with them this piece of paper showing that they've applied for their test. They're then given another learner permit and on they go. And then they just don't show up. And 500 applicants a week are failing to turn up to do their driving test. Now, there will be, obviously, a percentage of people that something will happen, something will go wrong on the morning of the test or the day before the test and a person is not able to show, but not that many, not 500 a week. And that's been going on for many, many years. And John is saying, surely the simple solution to this problem is do not keep giving out learner permits. Yeah, and that was one of the points I did make uh, to Moya that surely the only way, the way to get out, to stop this happening completely is to force people that when your learner permit is up, you must take a test. And the only way that you can go on then to another learner permit is if, God forbid, you fail your test. It's a 50-50 chance you might pass, but if you don't then you can have another learner permit, go way off again and get more lessons, do your practising, whatever you need to do and then come back and apply again. That certainly would be a solution. And it is something that the Road Safety Authority has looked at before because I was looking into this yesterday when I knew that Moya was coming on on the programme today. And there was a road safety strategy uh, that was set out um, it was it was it's to cover the period from 2013 to 2020 so we're actually coming to the end of it and there's a number of action plans 
contained in this strategy on road safety. And one of the action plans was, and I quote, reduce long-term reliance on multiple learner permits by introducing measures to ensure that learners sit a driving test before they can obtain a subsequent permit from the Road Safety Authority. So it was put into their strategy that I'm assuming would have been put together probably in 2011, 2012. And the date for the completion of that task in the action plan was the first quarter of 2014. And we are coming very close to the end of that road safety strategy and there's no sign of it happening even though when I put it to Moya Moya said yeah they are still working on it they are still pushing it so that certainly is one way around it now one could be very cynical here I've never been cynical but one could be very cynical here if and this is the figure that's been given out by the Road Safety Authority 500 applicants a week are failing to turn up for their driving test they have to pay they forfeit the fee They have to pay €85 to do, to apply for their driving licence. And they're failing to turn up and they're, you know, these people who just do not want to do their test are kind of saying, you know, if that's what it costs me, that's what it costs me. I just want my learner permit. I want to stay on the road, but I don't want to do the test. But if you add up the €85 with that figure from the RSA of 500 applicants a week failing to turn up, that means that the RSA is making in the region of, and I'm assuming that the money for the driving test goes because it's the, it's the Road Safety Authority that operate the driving test. So either they or the exchequer, it's all the one pot I suppose at the end of the day, 1.7 million a year is netted from applicants who apply for a driving test and then fail to turn up so there's now I'm not in any way that's I am being a bit cynical really in saying that because listening listening to Moya Murdoch she's adamant I mean she really is adamant and so are the Gardaí that they really do want to clamp down on the, ten, the, the tens of thousands of learner drivers who just are repeatedly uh, renewing their permits and have, they just don't want to take their driving test I'd love to chat with somebody if anybody's in that group of people either they're in the 40,000 odd who are on their fourth or more learner permit and then there's 8,000 people who are on their 10th and subsequent learner permit. I mean, I'd, I'd love to chat with if any of those learner drivers are listening. I'd love to have a chat as to why, why what's stopping you actually sitting your test. I mean, I was saying, was it nerves? But, but Moya seemed to knock that on the head and said no, because if you are very, very nervous about doing your test, you let the RSA know and they make allowances for us, which I, I didn't realise. So they're obviously aware that people get, get, get nervous. I can't understand any other reason except nerves, because the, the amount of money it's costing the motorist to stay on a learner permit outside of applying for the test and foregoing that money then replacing their learner permit then their insurance costs are absolutely through the roof and they're, they're, they're just getting higher and higher so and now you run the risk of your car being impounded if you go out and drive and you don't have an accompanied driver with you so you know it's financially it certainly is making absolutely zero sense to me. So if there if there is anyone or if you know of somebody, if you're speaking on behalf of a friend or a family member, if you can explain to me why somebody would be on their 10th and subsequent learner permit, I would love to hear from you. 1850 333 103. 
Okay, we have a number of texts coming in on the pharmacy. The phone lines have been hopping all morning and I must say kudos to John Paul who's been working flat out answering as many of the calls as he can and I've been doing my best to try to keep up to date with the huge number of texts and WhatsApps that are coming in. Let me just quickly take a look at some more that have come in in the last half an hour and an hour. A texter says, the whole beef slash farming drama is a play out of an unconscious approach to how we manage ourselves and our planet. Pursuit of, in inverted commas, money is the crux of all of our issues. Has anybody asked where is all the money in inverted commas coming from to make the current improvements to many roads and associated infrastructure? Is there any appetite for unmasking the wizard? You're speaking slightly in riddles there, but thank you for your text. Hi, I'm a farmer's son. I'm now 60 years of age. I fully support the farmers out protesting, but farmers are pure thick. I'm quoting from this text. This war between the farmers and the meat factories is going on for the last 40 years. Farmers need, you need to set up your own processing plants. Grow up says this farmer's son. Eileen in Kent Turk says, Patricia, the farmers are right to be out process- protesting. I want to wish them the very, very best of luck. Somebody else says, Patricia, we should all get out in March. We should be bringing down this government. And Anne wants to pick up on the suckler farmer who contacted us earlier and is laying the, f- the blame on all of this on Simon Coveney and the money that was taken in single farm payments away from suckler farmers and that he was saying that the real polluter is the dairy farmer and nobody's ever seen nobody's given out about them and and says without bitching Patricia if that small suckler farmer was supporting the farmers at the front line he would have known that it's mostly dairy farmers that are out picketing because if you want anything done you need to ask a busy person to do it. As for the criticism of the beef plan movement that we received from one other texter, I say there was only one, they went into those talks like lambs to the slaughter, knowing what was ahead of them and they will be sued if they go back protesting. So much for freedom of speech, Suzanne, who obviously is very supportive of those from the beef plan movement who really did try their best. Hi, this is Paddy. I produced, I produced beef in the past, but I don't anymore as I'm losing money. But a friend of mine told me that Larry Goodman is buying thousands of beef calves and getting farmers to contract rare them so they will have total control and they will take it out of the farmer's hands completely. I was fed up of losing money, so I got out of the game and now I'm renting my farm instead. And I wonder, would you prefer to be working and not having the farm rented, Paddy, you don't you don't say that. It looks to me like you only give up because you weren't making money. But if you had a choice, would you still be there? Hi, Patricia. I can't understand that person who is happy with the current price being paid for cattle. Now, this was Tim in. Let me find his comment because I, I knew that a lot of people weren't going to be agreeing with him on it. Because, as I say, it's the only one call that we've had backing this line. This is Tim and Carrick Tool, who's not now he's obviously not a farmer himself, but he says he knows a lot of farmers that he claims are happy with the price that's been paid at the meat market. And he reckons the only ones that are out protesting are the ones and this is from Tim, who are not feeding their cattle from the start, not feeding them properly. So they are bringing in bad cattle. And if you bring in bad cattle 
into the meat factories, you won't get the price. So Tim says the only ones that are out protesting are people that are bringing bad cattle. But as I say, he's on his own. He's the o- that's the only person that we've had making that point. And he doesn't appear to be a farmer, but he knows farmers. And that's what he is hearing from farmers. Anyway, uh, Jim totally disagrees with uh, Tim and his comments that anyone could be happy with the price that's been paid for cattle. The current base price is... €3.45 to €3.50 per kg and that is well below the production cost even if you are very, very efficient, says Jim. So he doesn't know who are Tim's farmer friends and where he's getting that point, those points from because he certainly and and I'm assuming Jim is uh, a farmer. As I said this isn't, thank you for that Jim and this is another texture. as I said in the late, late show about 40 years ago there are three certain, as was said, I take it, on the Late Late Show about 40 years ago, there are three certain things in life, living, dying and moaning farmers. Oh, oh. 1850 Charlie says they should go to the Dáil, bring a few animals with them, march through the streets with the live animals. They did that with a bull, didn't they? Uh, a couple of months ago. John in Castletown Roach. Oh, this is on people saying, why don't the farmers set up their own meat processing plant? Farmers did own co-ops, the most recent with Galti and Dairy Gold. A lot of those co-ops just were not making enough level of profit for the amount of money being invested. So that is why farmers are not setting up co-ops. Somebody suggests setting up a co-op with the farmers and um, opening up their own meat processing plant. John is saying that there is just money can't be made. But but if money can't be made, how are we then hearing that Larry Goodman from just one meat processing plant, the one at Slaney Foods in Bunclody in County Wexford, yesterday announced that they made pre-tax profits of 3.12 million. And that was for last year. And that was just on one meat plant. So, I mean... Obviously, there's, there's, there's money to be made and the farmers themselves are saying it's the owners of the meat processing plants that are getting a big chunk out of it. So I don't quite understand when why farmers couldn't set up some kind of a co-op and, and put their own beef processing have their own meat processing factory. Now, maybe it's just, maybe I'm being a bit simplistic in my views there. 1850 John Paul continues to take your calls. A reminder, we are looking for pet questions, please. If you can get your pet questions in to us, uh, we, because our resident vet will be joining us after half past 12 today. Jane Pickett, so get your pet questions in. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Social dancing is going on in the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow this evening. There'll be a country DJ from half eight with Eddie Lee on stage from 9.30 to 12 midnight. Admission is 10 euro. Kildallery Community Development are holding their weekly lotto draw. That's in Walsh's Bar tonight. Jackpot 2,600 euro. And Lichine's House, they're holding a free training course on suicide prevention. It is in Knocknaheeny Holly Hill Youth Centre from 6.30 to 9.30 this evening. If you'd like to book a place, 021 242 Bingo will be held in Kildallery Parish Hall tomorrow Friday. That's at half past eight with doors opening at eight. 
and St. Teresa's Place residents in Cantark. They're holding their annual tea party. It's on the green on this Saturday from 10am to 1pm. All home baking would be gratefully uh, received. And the Aaron O'Leary Memorial Run will be held next Sunday, rolling out at 11am from the Marion Hall in Ballinhasic. There is an 8km car and bike run with separate 30km tractor run prizes and refreshments. And it's in aid of Bumbulance and the Cork Children's Hospital. C103 brings you Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Saturdays at 10am and Wednesdays at 10pm. Can you outline some of the main Chagask recommendations for the safe application of pesticides? It says on the label what distance to keep away from public sources of water. Turn on Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Agribusiness for quality feed, expert service and support you can trust. Only on C103. We were talking about children heading back to school and in particular trying to keep everybody safe on our roads and how busy it is in the morning with the school runs and in particular how busy it is parking around schools and actually the Road Safety Authority themselves, I don't know if I still have the piece, have come out today talking about this and they're actually uh, talking about selfish parents, you know, parking, double parking, parking on double yellow lines, abandoning cars and just trying to get as close to the school gates as possible and I was making the point that when I was coming to work this morning there is a cycle lane close to where I live and it's also close to where parents park to drop their children off to school and the first day back at school two cars parked in the cycle lane and the major problem with that is it's on a corner so when you're coming out you can't see you've got to really edge out because the cars who are parked in the cycle lane are blocking your view. Anyway, Jane is picking me up on that and saying, regarding school set times, I agree that it can be chaos, but I think calling parents selfish for parking in a cycle lane is unfair. Yes, they shouldn't do it, but in an ideal world, we'd all be able to cycle or walk to school. But the reality is, most parents are dropping children to then journey on to their own place of work. They could do a walk of the schools, but then they'd have to have children in school at eight o'clock. Then go home, get the car or go on public transport to make work on time. I have to be in work at 9am. The school starts at 9.20. I have a one hour commute to work. So do the maths. It doesn't work. I have to get the children to a childminder for 8am in the morning. Then let her do the school drop. Some schools have great set downs and parking areas, but sadly, most don't. If you approach a school and there's no parking available, it must be very stressful because you could end up blocking traffic just trying to park or having to go around again. It's not enviable. But this is modern life. Men and women now work. Both parents are out of work simply to pay the bills. And that means less time. I loved the pace of life when I was on maternity leave and I would love to take a few years off. But sadly, simply cannot afford to do that. It is a pity that there isn't a government loan scheme for such. Thanking you, says Jane. Now, my heart goes out to you, Jane. And as my heart goes out to any parents that feel they are being forced out to work and they have to because of the size of the mortgage that they have and all the bills that are coming in and the only way they can keep going is for both parents to get out to go out to work. Now there are, are of course some 
families where both parents choose to work and they like the idea of working and that's not taking for that but I think in the majority of cases and I'm not being sexist when I say this but I think in the majority of cases mums find it very difficult going back after maternity leave and if they had a choice and if you waved a magic wand and to tell them to worry about the financial difficulties you can stay at home I think in many cases the majority of mums would opt to stay at home and as Jane said what a wonderful pace of life that relaxed pace of life when you're on maternity leave and suddenly now there is I I, I don't know how many children are in the house Jane but I can sense the busyness in the morning having to have all the children up dressed breakfast there's a baby obviously if you're off mat leave getting a baby ready out the door drop to a childminder so that you can be on the road for eight to get you into work uh, for nine it's not easy it's it's not easy but it equally doesn't help when you're at the school now you're not at the school gates obviously your childminder does it but it's just some of and and I know you're you're taking umbrage to me saying it's selfish to park in a cycle lane but some of the parking that goes on around school gates in the morning is utterly selfish not just parking in a cycle lane but you get people who park on double yellow lines. You'll get people who double park. And then when somebody else comes along, they can't overtake because somebody's double, double parked. And it just leads to stress levels for everybody at the school. Because if somebody's blocking another car and you can see the white knuckles on the steering wheel on some of the mornings it can get so fraught. And if there's a little bit of rain, God help us, it gets even worse. I mean, what's the solution? You are right. Some schools have fantastic facilities when it comes to drop off and collection. And some schools are lucky enough that they may be in an area where there is maybe a supermarket where you can park the car and then in walking distance to the school. But I've noticed because the schools that I'm talking about, there is actually a car park. There's a an Aldi down the road from it where people and I do see parents park and then they walk their children the two minutes it would take from the car park to the school gates and I see some do it but I also see the parents who insist on being right outside the gate with their children and that's the where I think is selfish you don't have to do it if your child has a mobility issue or you have a mobility issue absolutely park as close as you can but I just think we've got to the stage where we we treat our children like snowflakes where we can't let them get wet we can't let them be cold we have to bring them as close as we can to the school gate and I know back in my day we walked we cycled and roads weren't as busy you know, I I accept all of that. I accept all of that. But I still think we could be getting our children to walk a little bit further. And if you don't think they're safe on their own, then you get out of the car and walk with them. But this thing of why your car and your children has to be the closest to the school gate, I just can't understand it. I really can't understand it. But Jane, you raise a, another issue as well with it in that my heart goes out to you, my heart, ha- heart goes out to you that you would love the idea of being able to stay at home, particularly for those years when they're, when they're small, when they're, they're the little ones, because those years go so 
quickly and uh, but the finances dictate that you can so my, my heart goes out to you 1850 we are looking for your pet questions please I can see some coming in already keep those uh, coming somebody is suggesting that Tim from Carrick Tool Tim from Carrick Tool was the Tim who rang in and reckons that he knew a lot of farmers and he used the word a lot that are happy with the price of cattle that's been paid at the meat factories and that he's saying farmers that are not making the price mustn't be feeding their cattle properly. Somebody said Tim must be a great friend of uh, the Minister for Agriculture, Michael Creed. I don't know if he is uh, or he's not. And then a different Tim, not the Tim that rang in, can I say. It's another Tim says it's time all agri co-ops put their shoulder to the wheel in supporting the farmers that are out protesting at the meat factory gates. Surely a tray of sandwiches and a flask of soup from the co-ops will be a kind gesture to the protesting farmers. And that comes in from Tim. I did read a piece in one of the papers. Um, I don't, was it the examiner I was reading earlier? There was so many, there was so much on the protesting farmers. But I did read somebody put, had a piece in Noel Baker was reporting in the examiner. He was down, she must have been there yesterday or he was down in Bandham at the APB plant. I don't think he was there at the same time that John Paul was there. But he said that somebody pulled up in a car with a paper bag and dropped it into just passing motorist and it was stuffed with bags of crisps and uh, fistfuls of chocolate bars. Somebody just handed him in to say you know, with you, supporting you or whatever. But anyway, Tim reckons, what about the co-ops helping them out with... No, maybe they are. Maybe they are doing trays of sandwiches. I know when I've seen them on the TV, they seem to have some kind of a van or something with the teas and coffees. But I imagine they're just... They're doing them themselves. They're making them themselves. I don't know if anybody is going along and making buns and making some sandwiches and flasks of soup uh, for them. 1850 John Paul, taking your calls. We are looking for your pet questions, please, for Jane Pickett, our resident vet. Text or WhatsApp 86 103 103 but a on Markuk Tussig, a Vela Cheltenham, ain or dig, either Gavila Sakahar, August Gavila Sashak dig. Gertiuk a Aram Kaila, then Vela Cheltenham, Gavila Sak dig, August V er Tark Amak Asan Vela. Rugic Ruby Walsh, a Gunte Kildar, Savlin ne dig Shak Done. Hussig Shay, a Markuk Kapel, a Shak Nina Dish. But Felidora va a Freshen, August Vug Shay Bern Illa Aaron Free Ochdeg, Lena Manskull in Nadeg Nokashe. Toshe Postella Gillian, August Kahur in Ian again. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Le Bluer Grilga is Mr. Jack Arusta or Grilskull Hamas Davish Mala. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. And Jane Pickett from the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, joins us in studio. Good afternoon to you. Hi there. And you are very welcome. Let me get straight into questions. And I promise, because this question came in last week and I didn't get around to it, um, a gentleman who is thinking of getting a Basset Hound lives okay. on his own mm-hmm. is firstly having a problem locating a Basset Hound obviously doesn't want to go anywhere near puppy farms mm-hmm. is looking for advice or recommendations or is a Basset Hound is it a good idea for a person living on their own a gentleman living on his own well as regards Basset Hound's personalities yeah they're nice little dogs so they are they're a bit of a slob they can be at times but at the same time they can be fairly territorial in their own way can they? I, I know a few characters I've met over the years and they make their voices known if they if they don't particularly like somebody or if somebody's coming near the house they're, they're quite good guard dogs right. in their own way and you so would they be a good one dog and their own dog Potentially they could be. I think my main concern really would be, now there's lots of, may I preface this with saying there's lots of lovely Basset Hounds out there, right? And lots of ones that aren't affected by major health problems. But they do come along with a little bit of baggage maybe to be aware of before you go down that route. Basset Hounds, they obviously have very long ears. um, So they can be a little bit more prone to ear issues over time and that's something we really need to keep an eye on there's a lot of skin folds as well um, and we can sometimes get let's say a little infections very much like if we had lots of loose skin it's kind of wet and moist usually in kind of their folds mm-hmm. um, and they can sometimes get a little dermatitis um, and that's quite common in them one of the main issues however is their eyes sometimes if you imagine if you imagine the little basset hounds with all of their their kind of characteristic loose skin around the face yeah. sometimes they can have quite drooping eyes now this is some of them okay. okay and that makes them a little bit more prone to eye infections and eye problems long term so now i say there are you know lots of healthy basset hounds out there i'm sure but there are a subsection of them that may suffer from some of these health issues so like, you need lots, to keep like that in yeah, mind. yeah how do you how do you know then that you're going to a good breeder 
you know, it's really difficult these days. It really, really is. I think my first protocol would be to contact your local vet. See if they know anybody in the local area who breeds basset hounds, if that's the route you want to go down. Um, they'd be the first protocol because we'd normally know the breeders in our area um, and certainly know, you know, what was available around now basset hounds are rare enough these days so they may not necessarily know one in their local area I'm, I, I certainly don't in my mm. local area anyway my second protocol would be maybe to call the Irish Kennel Club because they usually have lists of breeders in the, in the region um, and they'd be registered with those usually they're they're reputable I think the same rules go for buying any puppy or any dog go and see the pup with its mum in the place where it's kept and don't be fobbed off with no. an excuse as to why you can't go absolutely yeah. if you are or they try and be a little bit reluctant about letting you see the pup with its mum then walk away um, I think it's better safe than sorry um, and I think certainly let's say supporting or buying pups from places that are maybe so good with their practices is only fueling the fire mm. um, so I would really be careful but what I would say is I wouldn't get too hung up on the breed um, I think sometimes a bit of a Heinz 57 is, is the best solution to be honest like every, lots of breeds have specific health problems and certainly having a crossbreed is not going to eliminate all of that but certainly you have a little bit of let's say hybrid vigour they tend to be a little bit more robust yeah, sometimes yeah, that's a good point. and I think a lot of the time particularly if you're living on your own I think the best pal for you would probably be a rehome dog Yeah. Um, I go on and on about it mainly because I have some rehome dogs myself but like if everyone you put the, says yeah, it if everyone you put the time it. into them they will give you love back in bundles love and companionship and I think if you're in a situation where you could rehome a pet, that would be the, the ideal route to go down. OK, actually, I, and we didn't get a chance. I will try and play it tomorrow. I'm just seeing on time. I won't, I won't get a chance now. I've been sitting on this all week. It's from a uh, Noah Fitzpatrick, you know, the super vet, the mm-hmm. Irish guy who mm-hmm. works over in England, who does all the bionic ah, uh, yes. bits and pieces. He put up a poem about um, it's, he, he doesn't even know who wrote it. It's called Just a Dog. And it's just that connection when somebody has a connection with a yeah. dog. And it's it's, it's quite it's, special. It really oh. is. I, I'll try and play it out tomorrow. I'll get John Paul to remind me. I just won't get a chance to play it today. Anyway, straight into back into questions. Um, good luck, by the way, to, to yes. that person. <laughs> What's the dog? The basset hound or whatever hound you get. Tom says, hi, I have a golden retriever dog. After losing his hair from scratching, I've gone to a couple of vets. Uh, they failed to cure him. I'm cleaned out from paying for all different treatments. I'm now wondering, would there be any homeopathic remedies that might help? OK. The, the scratching so, is such a huge problem. Yeah. Trying to get to the bottom of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. It's really difficult. Um there can be a huge number of things that can cause scratching, whether it be parasites or allergies or, let's say, being in contact with something that's irritating the skin. There can be a huge amount of things that cause itching. Now, I know it can it can unfortunately become quite expensive, particularly if it isn't, let's say, a particularly common thing that's going on with your little dog's skin. The one thing I would say is the one thing that concerns me is that you've tried a few different vets. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but the one thing I'd say is we as vets find nothing more challenging than let's say not getting to follow out a diagnostic plan for our pet I think sometimes particularly with diseases that are quite difficult to diagnose and control faith and loyalty to one vet and letting them kind of work methodically through a plan particularly with something like skin disease is really important because if you go around lots of different other vets we're all kind of starting from scratch then and it's quite a difficult thing and like in the end of the day, I think there's with skin particularly, there's no instant fix. 
Mm. There's really not. There isn't one um, tablet that you can give and no, take away now you want not, to be fine. There's yeah. not. Um, sometimes, uh, particularly with dogs and different medicines for itching itself, some respond really well to one and not to another. And there's no particular way of predicting that. But also the underlying cause of the itch. What is that? And just making sure that you kind of trust your vet to go down the route of doing any diagnostics, whether that's, let's say, sampling some of the cells on the skin or taking a little biopsy or maybe even doing some blood tests, really depending on what's going on with your dog's skin and what the vet thinks is a appropriate at that time and I know certainly from my point of view I like to work through things methodically doing the least invasive things first working up to the more invasive should they be required I think it's not fair to financially let's say put an owner through something unnecessary or the dog so normally I take things step by step and I would like to think that the vast majority of my veterinary colleagues would do the same so I think if you move between too many vets it's a difficult thing you're starting all over again so I think if and you, you can, can get to the bottom, but it's can. just going to take time. It just takes time. It takes time. And I think find the vet that you trust the most and stick with them. Let them work through it. Okay. Um, and I think it'll probably all work out well for you and your pet in the end. But I understand it can be really, really frustrating. Okay. I have a lurcher dog, male, two years old. Very hard to put weight on him. I have wormed him. Um, but that doesn't seem to be the issue. Any suggestions? Mm. Lurch your dog. They're, they're thin dogs. They, are. They, they do tend to be on, let's say, the skinnier side, as it were. I think you've done all of the right things in worming him. I would pop him to the vet pop him on the scales and get your vet or nurse to body condition score him. So it's something that we do to, let's say, I suppose, it's like ourselves. We can all weigh different things depending on how much muscle mass we do how much exercise we do what age we are and that might not let's say be reflected on the scales so much um so one way can mean a lot of different things depending on how much muscle mass you have so i would get them to do a body condition score and that's where we assess really on a scale of either one to five or one to nine depending on what system we use whether they're underweight ideal or overweight and it could be possible that it's because it's a lurcher that the dog could be the ideal weight it's just the owner looks Thinks yeah. he's looking a bit thin. And I think as well, you're doing all of the right things and I think making sure they're wormed and making sure they're being fed the right amount for their weight. So, you know, the guide on the back of the pack of what food you're feeding um, is, is a good idea. If not, consult your vet or your nurse. We love to give nutritional advice, to be honest. We're often sad that we don't get asked about it more because there's a huge amount of things we can do to help, whether it be obesity in pets or being underweight. There's a lot of advice we can give. Um, I would just make sure that there's nothing else going on. Let, let's say if there's any vomiting or diarrhea or poor appetite, a good health check with the vet to make sure there's not an underlying cause. But I think other than that, sometimes we're kind of pre-programmed to think that a dog that's normal sometimes is underweight because what we're used to seeing everywhere are generally normal to overweight dogs I think it's a staggering figure over 50% of dogs are overweight now to be totally but, honest but you'd know, you'd know looking sometimes at dogs yeah. I keep passing yeah. a Jack Russell and bless his his or her <laughs> heart her tummy's nearly on the floor absolutely and it's a massive massive issue and I think I suppose being underweight is an issue in itself but being overweight it's on the worse. flip side is a real concern and it's kind of very much like in humans it's, it's an epidemic now it's becoming a real real big problem with dogs and cats as well um, it leads to all kinds of different diseases in later life it's more strain on the joints um, and, as well and as I'm assuming like with humans if they're obese they're not going to yeah. live as long no it yeah. does shorten their life expectancy and it leads to 
puts extra stress on the joints, the heart, all the internal organs. It can lead to things like diabetes. It's a huge, huge, huge issue. And I think unless we begin to do something to tackle that as a society, very much like in humans, we're in big trouble. Um, So I think we are kind of pre-programmed to think that, uh, let's say, fatter dogs are normal. So I think you know, we need to kind of reevaluate our standards yeah. for what is normal. Okay, query for your vet, please. What would be the cause of my dog, 15 years of age, collapsing when I take him out for a walk and then having no control of his waterworks? But then he comes around again and he seems okay. Oh, right. Um, there could be a few things going on here. Okay. Um, we're an older dog, certainly at 15, is that right? Yeah. Um, I suppose like ourselves, it's kind of, you know, old age frailty a little bit. He might not be able to handle as much exercise as he did previously. Um, certainly a, a full-on collapse when he's out, whether that's, let's say, falling down in exhaustion or fainting, so not being conscious. Both of those things are a major, major issue, particularly if he's losing, let's say, control of the waterworks um, and peeing and pooing himself. I think regardless of the cause and regardless of the appearance, pop to your vet, you definitely need to have a health check. Um there are lots of different causes of, let's say, collapse, fainting, and whether even maybe it's just there's too much exertion for the amount of, let's say, strength your little dog has. But I think there's lots of serious causes, many of which can be helped and managed, which can cause this kind of appearance when out on walks. Um, I think one of the top ones really sometimes would be heart disease, very much like in, in mm. older humans. Um, and that can lead to, uh, uh, you know, major exercise intolerance, not being able to manage the exercise as we once did. And there's lots of things we can do to help out with that. Okay. Um, so I think definitely visit your vet. Um, if you can get a little video of one of these episodes, Good that's idea. really helpful for yeah. us. Um, sometimes there's lots of characteristic things we can see around an episode of Collapse, which can kind of give us the hallmarks of what might be going on. So a video is really helpful, but I wouldn't hesitate in visiting your vet. Okay. Ian in Middleton uh, is worried about his terrier uh, who has what he describes as quite a long tail. He hasn't noticed it in other similar in other type breeds. Should he be concerned about a long tail on a terrier? Five year old male neutered. Oh, I think not. I think you should be proud that your terrier has a lovely long tail. They used to cut them off for one. They've stopped all that. Yes, indeed. Indeed. And I think it's beautiful. I love seeing long, long tail dogs coming through my doors now. It'll give them a great sense of balance as well as everything else. Um, So, no, I wouldn't be concerned as long as there's, let's say, no lump or bump. And that's been his normal length of tail for his life. I wouldn't say there's any issue. Okay, and Joan in McCroom has a female Jack Russell, one and a half years old, neutered, weighs five and a half kgs. She feeds her 100 grams of dry nuts a day, split into two meals. Mm -hmm. She seems a bit on the thin side. Very energetic, spends a lot of time running around outside during the day, should she be worried. Five and a half Mm -hmm. kgs. For, for a, a one and a half year old. Yeah, for a for uh, Jack Russell as well. That's not a, not too out of the ordinary. Again, it kind of comes down to body condition, really, um, because the number on the scales doesn't necessarily reflect what we have. Um, I would say, again, visit the back of the pack um, of whatever dog food you're feeding um, and see what the recommended amount is for your, your weight of dog, as it were. But what I would say is if you have a very active dog altogether, going on lots of crazy walks and running around like a, you know, a, jumping out of her skin entirely she may need extra calories so you might need to just gently edge up the food required and again it's a bit like humans if we do more exercise Mm. we'll burn more calories exactly it's It's exactly the same and I think that's one thing I suppose on the back of the pack the recommended amounts for your dog are a good starting point but they're not they're not kind of it's only a guide yeah it's a guide it's not a rule 
Um, and is that yeah. why then as the dogs are getting older like our 15 year old would would if that dog wasn't walking as much would they get less food then? I would yeah I would suggest yeah. so. Um, I think it's all kind of based on their activity their requirements their age and stage of life and having appropriate feeding is really important. For example like making sure a puppy is fed puppy food versus adult food is very important because lots of them contain different levels of vitamins and minerals and nutrients mm-hmm. just appropriate for the life stage and particularly senior diets as well they have a different amount of protein, vitamins, minerals. Sometimes they even have little joint supplements like ourselves. We take, let's say, glucosamine and things like that. There's avail- there's ones like that available on the market that are, are suitable for that life stage. So I think just tailoring the amount of food they have to the amount of activity they have, preventing both obesity and being underweight is a yeah. real challenge. It's like kind of trying to find that sweet spot. One thing I would say is visit your vet. Um, we're more than happy to help with all these kind of things. Yeah, you can. And yeah. as you say, just if, when Joan is at the the vet's next, you know, next time she's bringing him along for a shot yeah. or whatever, just put him pop him on. But five and a half kgs, you, you think it sounds pretty much okay? I think it sounds pretty much okay. And when she pops into the vet the next time, the best thing you can do actually is take a little photo of the recommended amounts on the back of your dog food pack and what dog food you're taking, and have a little discussion with your vet or nurse mm. about it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Listen, pleasure as always. Thank you for that, Jane. Thank you. Have a lovely week, and we'll talk again next week. That is Jane Pickett from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Uh, Nick Richards is off this week, so Mark Malone is with you for the afternoon and we're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 on to the line, Patricia Messenger. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.